You're listening to the Dogaritaville Podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode nine of the Dogaritaville podcast. Today we are talking about properly socializing and drinking holiday-themed margaritas. For every episode, each of us does our best to create a delicious margarita around our theme. We post the recipes on Instagram so you can try them at home. You can let us know if you have an idea for a theme. Our recipes always differ, so you have some variety to choose from. I feel like I had something to say here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say, so we record super early. So right now it's, one, it's election day, but we won't talk about that. Um, (laughs) We've been talking about it for 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're not airing that. Um, But so it's really the beginning of November. So I had a really good time lighting my evergreen candles and listening to Christmas music to to set the theme. I've been Uh, watching spooky shows all day. I'm still in October. (laughs) See, I could give two shits about Halloween. Oh, it's my favorite day of the year. Mm. I'm so mad at COVID, though, because this year it took a Saturday Halloween and a full moon Halloween from me. Mm. I'm very mad about it. I was kind of surprised. I did not see. I mean, I don't give out candy or anything, but like even just driving, I didn't see a single soul out. I expect mm. I expected it not to be busy, but I expected, you know, certain people to, <laughs> to be like, you can't take Halloween, I'm going trick-or-treating. Uh, <laughs> and literally, not a soul in my whole neighborhood. But then I wow. text my friend, who's like super into Halloween and had like her house decked out. And she was like, we have cars lined down the block. And I'm like, wait, cars? What? What's happening? So I don't know if it was like a prearranged thing thing that like neighborhoods organized or what because there was not a single person out in my neighborhood i know there were some things organized around here like this is how we're staying safe you can come to our neighborhood or whatever that must have been it because she she was slammed and i was like good because i'd feel really bad if you did all that work and nobody showed up (laughs) but when we lived back in washington i did a haunted garage at my house and i just had a one stall garage and now i have a four stall garage so Uh. i'm like next year I'm ready. But you're kind of more rural. Like, would you? Yeah, but I would like invite people. Oh, okay. I see. see. This was a party. This is not for trick-or-treaters. I don't do kids. So like (laughs) I invite my friends over and they do the haunted garage. (laughs) That's legit. That's legit. Uh Okay. Um, Okay. Anyways, back on track. Here we go. (laughs) We're going to dive into how to properly socialize your dog, whether it be a puppy or just sleep. Just a her. <laughs> uh, just a newly adopted dog of any age. First, we'll talk about what we mean by socialization. Then we'll go over how the age of the dog factors into their kind of socialization plan. And we'll end the episode talking about how to socialize your dogs. So let's start with what we mean when we say socializing. So socialization is basically just teaching the dog how to be comfortable in its environment. 
And different dogs have different environments and will need to be socialized with different things. So hunting dogs, for example, will need to be socialized with gunshots. Well, maybe not every dog will need to be socialized with that. Farm dogs will need to be socialized with livestock. Therapy dog hopefuls will need to do a lot of human socialization, stuff like that. So we need to evaluate what we expect our dog to run into a lot in our world and then start taking steps to make sure that they're comfortable. And even if you have a dog who doesn't necessarily need to interact with a bunch of people or animals or whatever in its normal life, like if it's a farm dog, again, I'll use that example twice, I suppose. I wrote that in the show notes two times. (laughs) Um, You were really excited about farm dogs. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) It's still a good idea to do some socialization because you will have to take your dog to the vet on occasion and you might need to find emergency care for your dog and those skills will be helpful in finding that and uh, also as a general rule the more things your dog is socialized to the more likely they are to be optimistic about new things that pop up so no matter what it's just a good idea to socialize your dog as much as possible that's a good point i didn't think about that about them being uh more welcoming to other new things because they're used to new things So yeah, kind of like Lily said, socializing isn't just dog-on-dog skills, right? It's not just having your dog be friendly with other dogs. It means meeting people of all ages, genders, races, uh, wearing different things, holding different things, different sounds like thunder, guns, things like that, fireworks, different smells. Um, The one that I probably run into the most is different flooring. So, like, when Churchill was doing his therapy testing, we live in Vegas, so we go to casinos a lot. (laughs) And the casino floors, you know, they're not normal tile. They're, like, super, super slick and shiny. Like marbly? Yeah. 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 So, that freaked him out. Like, our house is all tile, so it never crossed my mind. But he was like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. What, What the hell is this? And then just recently, one of my friends got a new puppy And she's not fully vaccinated yet, but she came over to my house because my house is safe. And we took her in the backyard and my backyard is dirt, whereas their backyard is like concrete and rocks. And she was so she was like, how do I walk on dirt? What am I supposed (laughs) to do? She's only like 10 weeks old. So Uh, but it was so cute. She was just like, it moves when I step on it. I don't what do I do? (laughs) So flooring, stuff like that. literally everything, honestly, like socializing means everything. People, places, things. <laughs> yep. All the nouns. My, uh, my friend Ashley, uh, who when I lived in Washington, she was my hairdresser and she did hair out of her house. So she had like a salon in her house and her whole house was hardwood. But in her salon, she had like a specific aesthetic and the floor was black. So it was black hardwood. And she had this dog who was the cutest. She's passed away now, but she was, I think, a Great Dane Irish Wolfhound mix. She was so cute. Her name was Maisie. (laughs) And um, she, it's not that she wouldn't walk on the black hardwood, but she needed a barrier. Like we needed to make her a bridge. So we got like a carpet (laughs) square and put it in between the two hardwoods and she could walk over it. It was the weirdest (laughs) thing. Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, surfaces like floors like that are probably the thing that comes up most just randomly in my day-to-day life. But yeah, just when we when we're talking about socializing, it it means all of the things. I know we've said it in past episodes, but maybe we should say it again. A lot of times dogs will grow up to have fears of specific things, like as an example, men in hats. And usually what you'll hear from the owner is 
I think that she was abused by a man in a hat. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, um, most often, that's not the case. Most often what happens is that dog was just never exposed to men in hats. And so it's weird. Like, this is a different looking human than I've ever seen before. And I don't like it. And so that's another really good reason to socialize your dog, just to lots of things. Like Laura mentioned, people dressed up in all sorts of ways and holding different items. That's because every new article of clothing and every new item that someone is holding makes them a different thing, <laughs> like to a dog. And so it's good to socialize them to all of that kind of stuff so that they're not weirded out when they see something new, like a man in a hat. Yeah, so I think the way that presents most in my clients is that I hear all the time, oh, I think my dog's racist. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, your dog's not racist, just yes. you're white, your family's white, all your friends are white. <laughs> right. That's, you're, you might be racist, but <laughs> it's not your dog. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. So I used to do drop-ins when I did Rover. I did drop-ins for this family who they were really awesome. Don't get me wrong. I really, really liked them. They had two Jack Russell Terriers who were actually really sweet. I usually don't like those dogs at all. Yeah, they're a um, And then they had a brand new, just little eight-week-old French bulldog, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and the first day that I came over... He must have been older than eight weeks because they had had him for at least a week. And the husband was like, oh, yeah, I've been taking him to work with me and I have a redheaded coworker and he hates her. And so I think that he was <laughs> abused by a redheaded woman. And I'm like, he's nine weeks old. Like, <laughs> I promise he has not been abused by a redheaded woman. Like, he's just never seen one before. Or yeah. maybe there was something weird about her. Like, yeah, she smelled right. funny to him or something. Maybe she's a cat person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm offending a lot of people in this segment. I apologize. <laughs> it's important to note that socialization is not going to look the same for every dog. So if you have kind of more of a blank slate puppy, like for lack of a better term, it will work wonders for you, most likely. Yeah. But if you have a dog like Peter or a dog who's maybe from a puppy mill or a shelter or whatever it is, they might just have inherent things that make them more wary in general. And so it's not a guarantee that you can just socialize your dog into loving everything. Yeah. But it sure. definitely helps. Well, and I would also, this goes back to our past episode of like, if you need that, if you need a puppy that you can socialize to be good with everything, then you probably should buy a puppy. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you need to be responsible about it. So go back and listen to yeah. uh, How to Pick yeah. Your Next Dog. <laughs> episode three. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, I'm a rescue person. I'm not saying that you cannot do that with a rescue puppy. I'm just saying if that is a deal breaker and you're going to have to get rid of the dog if they don't like XYZ, then you should probably just responsibly buy a puppy. Yep. And then the last little note that I wrote here on socialization and what it is is that the outcome of socialization is not always going to be that your dog enthusiastically directly interacts with whatever it is. So we might be able to make sure that your dog can be comfortable around dogs or kids or whatever, but you can't just expect to work with every dog until they are directly interacting enthusiastically with whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's a little bit of information about what socialization is and why it's important. So we will take a break. And when we get back, we will talk about what age to socialize your dog. 
Margarita check. Laura, how did you make your holiday margarita? Part one of two. Oh, I was like, part one of two. <laughs> I, I got it. I caught up. <laughs> you were supposed to make two today. Oh, God. Uh, well, I kind of did. I made a whole fucking pitcher. <laughs> um, so keep in mind, this is a whole pitcher, obviously. Um, but it's 18 ounces of coconut milk, six ounces of coconut water, nine ounces of tequila, six Jeez. ounces. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then I lost count. So I don't know if I did eight ounces or 10 ounces. Could go either way. <laughs> it's strong as shit. So it might have been 10. <laughs> um, six ounces of Grand Marnier. I think that's how we say it. I think so. You let me know. Half a cup of lime juice, which BT dubs, when they put lime juice in cups, it really annoys me. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, half a cup is three limes. There you go. Three tablespoons agave. And then I have it. I had it on the rocks originally, but it wasn't really working for me. So I strained it. And then I had a rosemary and cranberry garnish. It was so pretty. It was very pretty. And though like smelling the rosemary as you drink it. It's phenomenal. Mm. However, I'm really weird about texture and things like that. So having the rosemary and cranberries get in my face every time I drank did not work for me. Uh, <laughs> the coconut milk is already a hard enough sell for me because it's like creamy and a little chunky, which I don't like either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it tastes good if you're going, because I think this episode is coming out at the beginning of December. So if yeah. you're going to a holiday party, I highly recommend this. Get a cute jar, have a good day, do what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep keep six feet distance and wear your masks. Also. <laughs> what she said. In addition. Um, what did you end up doing? I know. So <laughs> this This is where we should enter the part where... Lily texted me a couple hours ago and was like, I somehow forgot that we make margaritas. <laughs> and now I'm going to the store. And I was laughing at her like, oh, ha ha. And then five minutes later, I was started making mine. And I was like, yeah, I don't have any limes. <laughs> so apparently we're really good at this. Yeah. We were both at the store like two hours ago. <laughs> what did you end up doing, though? So, again, Laura has been planning this for a week. I remembered that we make margaritas on a weekly basis for our podcast like two hours ago. So I didn't have anything planned. So my initial thought was to do like a plum themed something. So like with sugar plums. But they didn't have plums at my little store. And I've said this before, but my big store, I will get COVID there. So I need to go to my little store. And so next week I might try that plum thing and get someone else to go get COVID at the store for me and bring me some plums. (laughs) But this time I was like, well, (laughs) I was like, well, okay, what else is Christmassy? Gingerbread. And so I, I decided I like Moscow mules, which is just vodka and ginger beer and lime. And I was like, it would probably be good, you know, and I could just say it's like a gingerbread man margarita with ginger beer (laughs) and so seems seems like a stretch so that's what i did but here's the other thing that happened i was at the (laughs) store (laughs) and they had this little display of holiday items 
And among the holiday <laughs> items were perhaps my very least favorite thing in this whole godforsaken planet, which is gumdrops. And <laughs> and I was like, oh, I asked Scott, I was like, these are $4. Do you mind if I spend $4 on something that I'm not going to eat? <laughs> and he said that was fine. So I put <laughs> I put gumdrops all around my rim, which is the most Christmassy thing about it. And then <laughs> it's such a monstrosity, guys. It looks like, so stupid. <laughs> it looks so stupid. Like, if you saw it on Instagram, like, if my life was a movie, like, this would be the opening scene. It would be like a freeze frame of this margarita. And my voice would come in like, you're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> and the audience would be like, yes, like, please give me the backstory. Like, what tragic, chaotic events led you to this moment in your life? Oh, man. My favorite part beyond just how fucking ridiculous it looks is, <laughs> is that you also fucking hate that. <laughs> like, that makes it so much better. You were just so committed to the theme that you sacrificed yourself. So that's my rim. <laughs> um, so how great. I made the margarita. I filled my cup with ice. I put in, I would guess... I just kind of dumped tequila in it. I would guess it was like two and a quarter ounces of tequila and then about three quarters ounce of triple sec. And then I did, I wrote one juice lime, but I actually just did half a juice lime. So half a juiced lime. And then I just topped that off with ginger beer. And then I had my gumdrop rim. So that's my uh, my gingerbread man gumdrop margarita. Is it good? And next week, I hope to be much more prepared. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I like mules, and this is basically just a mule. A mule garita. Yeah, I like it. I really hope you can uh, use my snort that I just did. I uh, will. <laughs> yep. I will amplify it and put yeah. it on repeat and put it yes. in the treat pouch. <laughs> Everyone will pay for that. Yes. So, <laughs> so in the last segment, we talked about what socialization is and why it's important. So in this segment, we're going to get into how age factors into the whole process. So Laura, Laura, I just called you Laura. Laura, why don't you start this off? So it's just important to note that dogs can be socialized at any age, and it's important that they are. Just because you rarely have visitors or you don't have another dog that they have to get along with is not an excuse to just not socialize them. It is very unhealthy for your dog's world to be nothing but the four walls of your house. That's not healthy. They don't like it. It's not good for them. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, let's dive into some different approaches to socialization. Again, like Laura said, it, it is possible to socialize at, at every age, for sure. It is best, if you can, to socialize during puppyhood. Now, of course, if you're rescuing an adult dog, that's awesome. Like, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm not trying to chastise people who didn't have their dogs as puppies or maybe even missed the socialization window when they had a puppy. No need to do that. But if you can socialize during puppyhood, that is your best bet because – Usually when your dog is an adult, you if, if you're socializing, you have to change its mind about something, which is significantly harder than teaching a puppy who has a neutral feeling about most things to have a positive feeling about things. So in puppyhood, you have a better chance of creating an optimistic dog, whereas if you miss that socialization period, you could have a pessimistic dog that you continually have to convince that things are okay. 
That's really interesting. Like, just the thinking of dogs as optimistic or pessimistic is interesting. I like it. Yeah, I saw another trainer use those phrases like a while back, and they just they resonate with me a lot because I have I have an optimistic dog and I have a pessimistic dog. <laughs> Who's pessimistic? Mooney. Very really? pessimistic. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I guess I could see that with like the vet and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. He, he's just such a goober. I don't think of him that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. His his two big things um, that he is very optimistic about are people and dogs. So that's great because yeah. those are usually the two big bugaboos. But anything else, like when we moved into this house, he has walked on tile his whole fucking life. But this tile is <laughs> a different color. And he was like, don't like that. Um, <laughs> nope. Yeah. And we have a standalone bathtub, and we had to spend a bunch of time socializing him to that. And just, he's very pessimistic about most things, but just he happens to do very well with people and dogs, which are kind of the two big ones. Yeah, that's, uh, I like it. I can dig it. So yeah, with an adult dog, it's definitely a little bit trickier, simply because they have some habits and experiences uh, under their belt, whereas puppies don't. It is still very possible. You just have to be ready to do some troubleshooting if it comes up. And sometimes it doesn't come up. And congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but they do already have some preconceived notions like men are scary or uh, if they've never been to a park before or something like that. It's like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? Right. So they they definitely have a little bit more feelings towards things rather than a puppy that's just like hey what's this (laughs) right yeah so in vegas we run into a lot of dogs that are just what we call yard dogs where they've just lived in somebody's backyard their whole life um so they're not used to living in in a home or having visitors or being on a leash meeting other dogs any of that Um, some are naturally better at it than others just because that's how dogs work but most can definitely learn so we see that a lot especially in the rescue and shelter world dogs get labeled as only pets but a lot of the times it's not because they're dog aggressive it's more because they're not socialized so they don't just meet a dog and be like hey let's party they're like what the fuck is this who are you what do i do (laughs) like what is happening i have questions and so they're not going to respond necessarily favorably, uh, but that's not the same thing as being dog aggressive, right? So right. Uh, sometimes it is just a socialization thing. I have five million examples of all of that, but <laughs> I'll, I'll spare you. <laughs> but yeah, it's just uh, it's important to know that adult dogs can be socialized. Uh, Churchill, everybody knows, is uh, was a therapy dog. He was one of my main test dogs. Uh, And I'm saying was because he's retired, not because he's not here. Uh, (laughs) But so he didn't, you know, he wasn't just, I didn't have him from a puppy. I got him when he was two years old and he wasn't socialized at all. He was terrible with dogs in the beginning. He wasn't aggressive, but he was terrible. He would rush up to their faces. He'd try to like stand over them. Like he, he was a douche. But we spent a lot of time working on his social skills with other dogs. And obviously he did very well. And I got lucky that he's just always been extremely social with people and and stuff like that. And there were little stuff like flooring, like we talked about earlier and stuff like that, that we had to work through. But I just got lucky in that his temperament is like the more people and bigger crowd, the happier he is. (laughs) Whereas most of my dogs are the opposite. And they're like, "Um, this is way too much going on. (laughs) 
But yeah, so it, it's definitely important to socialize an adult dog, I would say. I don't want to say more than a puppy because obviously you need to socialize your puppy. But like just because you're getting an adult dog, don't just be like, oh, that's who they are. It's right. Like, no, no. You can still work with them. You can still socialize them. I thought what? you had, you must have deleted it, but I thought you had something in here about fear periods. I did delete it. I can talk about it and leave it in if it sounds like it fits, but I was just writing it out and I was like, I don't feel like this fits very well. Well, but- I mean, maybe just break down like, yeah, they can't be running around on the ground until they're fully vaccinated, but you can carry them. You can put them in strollers. Like, let's maybe touch on that stuff. And then like, and then the fear period will kind of be in there. So like. You start socializing mm-hmm. them at eight weeks, but their fear period is at this. So if they regress a little, don't be upset, blah, blah, blah. That That is something that comes into play is like my dog isn't vaccinated. You Your dog cannot be fully vaccinated at eight weeks. So like, what do you do? And for me, with the puppies that I have here, they belong to somebody else. So I'm very cautious. So I would just say like for the puppies in the rescue, we make sure that wherever they're fostered, just because... I mean, we usually get them under eight weeks, and then by the time they go home, they're usually like 10 or 12 weeks. So they're missing like really key periods right there. Yeah. And um, so we always make sure that their fosters have visitors, that their fosters have other dogs. And then we usually give them a stroller so that they can start like taking them on walks and getting them Mm -hmm. used to a collar and a leash and stuff like that. So we never put them on the ground. So like we'll take them to the pet store. Um, but we'll carry them or have them in the stroller. We'll take them to the park in the stroller, but we're not going to let them get down at the park. Uh, We'll bring them to adoption events, but we'll have them in an X-Pen and the public's not allowed to touch them, stuff like that. So there are ways to socialize. Like um, I was just saying earlier about the different types of like ground and flooring. Um, My friend got a new puppy and we're trying to socialize her as much as possible, even though she's only 10 weeks, so she's not fully vaccinated. But so she came over here. One because I know all of my dogs are healthy and safe. Two, because I never have puppies in my house, so she's not going to catch anything from another puppy. And three, because there's a lot of dogs here that she can socialize with safely. Because I know, again, I know my dogs are healthy and and so on and so forth. So she was able to come over here, meet a bunch of new people, experience a new place, new flooring, new dogs, all completely safely because, again... Um, I obviously know that my dogs are healthy. I know that I don't have Parvo in my backyard, stuff like that. So not only do I recommend taking them out to like stores and stuff, just not letting them on the ground, but also if your friends have well-socialized, friendly, playful dogs and they know that they haven't had any sick dogs in their house in the last year, take them to your friend's house. (laughs) Yeah. There are so, so many options for socializing them. Yeah, like no matter how physically safe you want to be with your puppy, you still need to figure out a way to get it done is basically what we're saying. Yep. Yeah, and there's a thousand ways to do it, whatever makes you more comfortable, but definitely make an – even if you are like, okay, I really don't want to take my puppy out of the house until it's fully vaccinated. I'm too paranoid, whatever it is. Fine. Invite friends over. Invite their friendly dogs over. Do Mm -hmm. something. Like whatever your level of comfort is, do that. Yep, and if you're not going to be taking your dog to other places where, like we were saying, like flooring is often a big issue. So if you're not going to be taking your dog to other places with different kinds of flooring, you can buy little samples at Home Depot or something. Bring home a carpet square, bring home a tile square, you know, just something that your dog can socialize with at home. 
And then the other thing that we, I couldn't figure out if I wanted to talk about it, but I'll just talk about it and leave it in if it, if it fits. But so dogs go through two period, two fear periods as they develop. One happens usually between eight to 10 weeks old. And then the other one happens sometime during adolescence. So that will be different for every dog. That's a little more unpredictable. So anywhere from like six months to a year or something. What happens in this fear period is basically that they're more likely to internalize bad experiences. So the reason that I didn't know if I wanted to talk about this is because it kind of makes it sound like you shouldn't socialize your dog during these times, but you should. (laughs) You definitely should. You just need to be careful that they're having positive experiences. Yeah, I don't, I've never thought of it as like it, as the fear periods, meaning you shouldn't socialize. I always thought of it as more of like, Hey, if you've been socializing your dog and they start having a hard time, it might just be their fear period. Like, just work yeah. on it. Work through it, right? Yep, and definitely work through it. And and if you notice that your dog's behavior is starting to change around adolescence and you're you're thinking that maybe this is the fear period, then I would just say take caution. So keep socializing, but take caution that every interaction is positive so if you have a friend who's like oh come over and play with my dog but you've never met the dog before like maybe wait (laughs) maybe wait a few weeks and just socialize with dogs that you know won't invade your dog's space or make them uncomfortable because they're more likely during that period to internalize that bad that bad experience well and it's kind of uh it's kind of like kids right where like you want to kind of pick their friends and pick the friends that are going to be the best influence on them (laughs) Sure. If, if your friend has a dog that's kind of out of control, probably not the dog you want around your puppy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You want you want your friend's dogs to be the dog that you want your dog to grow into. Does that make did I say that right? Yeah, probably I think not. so. Uh, <laughs> a good role model. Right? Yes. Yeah. So you yeah. want you want them around good role model dogs. So we had uh, Myra's puppy come over because obviously Churchill is a really good role model and he's not going to get in her face and scare her, but he might play with her and he's not going to, there's nothing that she could do that's going to upset him. So he's a really good dog to have her around. Obviously, I did not introduce her to Peter because Peter hates puppies and I don't want her. <laughs> so just as importantly, it's really important to try. And again, if it happens, it's not like don't have a meltdown or anything. It's not going to make or break you. But like, it's really important to do your best to not give them any negative experiences. So like Peter will tolerate a puppy to a certain degree, but I'm not willing to risk that because I don't want her to learn that other dogs are going to snap at her. Hmm. And that goes against, obviously, dogs need to correct other dogs so that she learns. Don't get me wrong. Peter is an overcorrector. <laughs> his correctors are, his corrections are appropriate, but He's also just more sensitive, so he's going to correct her for shit that's, like, not a big deal, right? So I'm not going to put her with him. Um, So a lot of people are, like, just let their puppy terrorize their older dog until their older dog snaps at them. And it's like, well, that's not really... (laughs) That's not really your puppy learning. It's just nobody's helping your older dog, and your older dog's getting pressed and pressed until it can't take it anymore, and that's not okay either. Um, but we, we don't need to go down that road, but I'm just saying like, make sure to the best of your ability, set them up for success and don't try not to let them have any bad, bad experiences. So we are getting a little bit into what we're going to talk about next segment. So I think this is a good place to wrap up 
So there is some information about the various ages at which you can socialize your dog, which, reminder, it's every age all the time. (laughs) And we will take a break here. And when we get back, we will talk about how to socialize your dog. Final margarita check. Laura, how's your holiday margarita? I can't drink anymore. I'm too drunk. (laughs) (laughs) So, advisory, if you're going to make this, make sure you only make a pitcher for multiple people. Because if you're by yourself, you're going to get (laughs) shit-faced. I think this is my third cup. It's still pretty full. I ain't drinking anymore. (laughs) That's no fun. It is good, though. I do recommend. Well... Not that you asked. I was about to. I was finishing my pretzel. <laughs> did, you, did you make a pitcher or you just had more than one? I just had more than one. Oh, okay. How is it? It's good. Um. Well, I finished my first one and I'm almost done with my second one. And I don't think that I will make any more because I would have to open a new can of ginger beer and then I wouldn't finish a whole ginger beer. Okay. So, how to socialize your dog. Since I am the puppy lady, I will talk a little bit about how I socialize the puppies here. Something that is important about socialization is that it means that your dog is going to be comfortable, not necessarily directly interact, like we talked about a little bit in the first segment. So if your puppy is too scared to get, like, close to other dogs or play with other dogs, that doesn't mean your puppy isn't socializing at a distance. So if your dog is comfortable watching the other dogs from 10 feet away, that's where socialization might start. And that's okay. Getting too close too quick could give your dog a bad feeling about whatever it is that you're trying to socialize it to because it might feel trapped or forced to interact. And so a lot of the time we accidentally have the opposite effect on the puppy when we intend to socialize them to something. So when we have puppies here at our house, this is how we socialize them to our dogs, just to give you an idea. So we have Mooney and Balto do a place so that they're in their beds laying down. And this is already a step that I don't advise everybody to do because not everybody's dogs are trained specifically to do this. (laughs) Um, My dogs are trained specifically to be test dogs because that's what I need them to be. And they are comfortable with it. They are comfortable laying down while the puppies approach them. That is not true of every dog. So if your dog will not be comfortable sitting still with a new puppy around, don't do this (laughs) because... You're socializing your puppy, but you're also always having a socialization impact on the other dog as well. If you're socializing your puppy with a dog who is not comfortable laying down like this, I would maybe have the older dog on a leash or at least a dragging leash. And I would not start out with a dog who is going to be rude and incessantly in the face of the puppy like we talked about earlier. So if you're, if the other dog is not going to be allowing any distance or boundaries, then that's not the dog we want to start with with our socialization. So choose your dogs wisely. So the puppies are introduced from, they are introduced to my dogs from a distance. So I will put them down on the ground across the room from my dogs who are again laying in their beds and the puppies can decide how they want to approach and investigate my dogs. We don't ever force them to interact or we don't even coax them. Like I don't sit next to my dogs and call the puppies or anything like that. We just kind of let them like decide how they want to do it. And some puppies run right up. And just start interacting right away. And some puppies, 
Some puppies take a minute. I had one puppy, Bodhi, the one that we just posted on Instagram screaming. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He expressed his anal glands every time Balto moved for like three days. So (laughs) there are different uh, comfortability levels among the puppies. And so then once the puppies are comfortable with my dogs, then my dogs get the okay to start moving around. And then that usually starts the process from square one because it's a whole new situation. And then um, I just wrote down a little note to myself to talk about how to deal with corrections because we touched on it briefly in our last segment. So Balto will correct the puppies if they are really in his face and he doesn't like it. He will snap at them. He does give a lot of warnings. And so what I will do is prevent him from needing to do that for a couple reasons. First, like Laura said, I don't want the puppies learning that dogs are just going to bite them on the face (laughs) all the time. But then secondly, like I want Balta's boundaries to be respected too. That's important to me. He's my dog. And so when he starts getting uncomfortable and like giving those signals, like side-eyeing them or growling or whatever it is, I go in and remove the puppy. So Balto is learning like, okay, I don't have to handle this situation on my own. My mom's got it. And then the puppy is learning if Balto makes these sounds or does these things, I get removed from the situation. And so it's like learning how to respond to those cues from Balto without needing to get bitten on the face. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, again, that's where it comes into, like, who your test dog is, right? Like, Peter is not my test dog because he's going to warn and he's going to warn, but he will correct too. And his corrections are usually warranted, but I don't want to risk that, right? Like, yeah. An older puppy, yeah, I want them to get corrected. But a younger puppy, they're um, to me, I don't want them getting corrected yet. So once they're like six months or so, then I'm like, yeah, I'm a little more comfortable with you getting a correction. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, eight, 12 weeks, that's that's not the time for corrections to me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so Churchill's a really good dog for that because Church Churchill will not correct. But to that same credit, I have to be paying attention because it's not fair to Churchill that he just get (laughs) rummaged, right? Like he's, it's not fair to him that he just gets constantly inundated because he's too nice, right? Be cautious and conscientious of of who your dogs are with. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So basically the principle that I'm trying to socialize my puppies by is that our interactions should be positive and they should also be choice based that's how i introduced the puppies to my dogs and then i would follow the same pattern with all of those different things you need to socialize a puppy to so people of different ages genders races wearing different clothes holding different things like we talked about earlier give the puppy an opportunity to investigate and take your time so if the puppy doesn't run up right away it doesn't mean that they will never like whatever that thing is and or they'll never approach it they just need some time to do it on their own so some common mistakes that i see is people throwing i think they literally call them puppy parties (laughs) like they'll have a puppy party and just pass the puppy around to all their friends yeah and that is not a good way to socialize the puppy because when they're interacting with people they're learning that they literally have to like they do not have an option they're being passed around and held and petted and whatever else another common mistake i see is immediately taking your puppy to the dog park <laughs> don't do that i will punch you in the face <laughs> do not do Laura that. will punch you in the face have you lost your ever loving mind 
I don't even take my adult dogs to the dog park. You cannot control who is there. You can't control what dogs are there. You can't control how they're going to act. And so taking your puppy to the dog park on top of it just being overstimulating in general is just inviting all sorts of negative socialization things to happen. I'm going to double down on that and say don't take any dog to the dog park unless you know they are social and damn near bomb proof. Mm-hmm. Dog parks are not for socializing a dog. It's for a social dog to socialize, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Dog parks are not where you learn how to be social. Dog parks are only for when you are social. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. For the love of God. I like dog parks. I'm not anti-dog park. But there's a lot of caveats within that, and that is one of the biggest ones, is if your dog is not fully socialized, they should not be there. Other common mistakes that I see. So I am not advocating against taking your dog to Home Depot or taking it to a pet store, but there is a wrong way to do that. So the mistake that I see is taking your dog to Home Depot or the pet store, putting it in the cart, and then just letting everybody come up and pet and interact with your dog. To me, the socialization that's happening there is that your dog is getting used to the sights and smells and sounds of kind of all of the hustle and bustle that's going on around it, but they should never be forced to interact with anything. And so if people are just coming up and putting their hands all over your dog, it is not a positive experience for your puppy. Some puppies are super in, they don't have a second thought, and they would love if everybody came up to the cart. So, I mean, certain times I think it, that is okay. I think you know your puppy better than anybody else, right? So there's no like hard and fast rules. This was just, I don't see puppies very often and this was a recent experience. So I'm going to keep talking about Myra's puppy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) She came to the staff meeting and it's a room full of people and then Churchill's wandering around too. Plus it's a new house. So I was like, oh, she might be scared. No, that bitch busted in the room and like did zoomies around saying hi to every single person. I was like, oh my God, hello. And so I was like, that's the type of dog that, like, you put in a cart at Home Depot, even at 10 weeks, and they're like, oh, my God, will you please say hi to me? (laughs) Yeah. So so it very much, very much depends on the dog. But if your dog has any hesitation whatsoever, don't do it. I definitely agree. There are dogs who are okay with that. But I do think that unless you're very good at reading dog body language, it's really easy to mistake. Because like we were talking about in our dog myths episode – Dogs will wag their tails for all sorts of reasons. And I think a lot of people will see the puppy wagging its tail and be like, oh, he's excited. He wants to see everybody. And so I would just say, unless you're literally 100% sure, just avoid letting people come up and just grab your dog. The last thing that I was going to say, I just put my bullets out of order, is for, so we talked about introducing your dogs to surfaces and sounds and smells. And so... I wanted to touch on how to do that. So with those, you just want to expose your puppy to as much of those as possible and make it a fun experience. Those aren't typically like people and dogs because that thing is not going to interact back to them. (laughs) So it's not really as big of a deal to pick your surfaces or sounds or smells carefully. Um, But just make sure that your puppy is exposed to all of them and make it fun. So play games or feed treats while they're experiencing that thing, whatever it is, and just make it as positive as you can. So I think the other really important thing is to note that you don't just socialize your puppy and then you're set for life, right? It's ongoing. Mm -hmm. Dogs naturally get less social as they get older. So it's super, super important to keep up the practice. I hear all the time, 
usually from people trying to adopt a puppy. Oh, well, my existing dog used to go out all the time when he was a puppy. And it's like, well, now it's two years later and you have to start completely over because he has not seen or met a dog since then. Like, so that almost every single person that tries to adopt a puppy with an adult dog, I'll be like, ever. The first question I ask is, is your existing dog social? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I show up with the puppy and they're like, oh, well, he hasn't met a dog in like two and a half years. <laughs> and it's like, oh, great. Thanks for risking my puppy's life. But not only that, but like people, maybe they'll have another dog. Like maybe they'll have more than one dog. And so they assume because their dogs mm-hmm. get along, their dog's social yep. in general. Yep, and that's yep, not yep. always the case. Yeah. There's a big difference between your your family and others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah. So, I mean, of course, some dogs are capable of not meeting a dog for two years and picking right, picking up right where they left off, but I certainly wouldn't expect it. Um, so, just be conscientious of that. I don't expect... Like, if your dog's not a dog park dog, then obviously it gets a little bit harder, but to the best effort, you know, try to maintain their social skills. Make sure they have at least one friend or something like that, just to keep it in practice, because I've noticed... Especially with Peter, just in general, he's getting a lot grumpier as he gets older. (laughs) But Peter used to love the dog park. And it's like, now when we go to the dog park, he still loves the dog park, but he doesn't really interact with the other dogs. He more just kind of like cruises around and checks stuff out. Whereas before, like he went to the dog park to play with other dogs. And now he's like, yeah, like I'll play with you maybe for a second, but mostly I'm just here to like cruise. (laughs) That's how Balto is, too. Like, if other dogs approach him, he'll, like, do the sniffs and the greetings. And then yeah. he's like, so I'm going to go poop over here. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not that he's any less dog friendly. Like, he's not he's not trying to be aggressive or anything like that. It's just, you know, he's been playing with dogs his whole life. He's he's good. <laughs> like, he's he's going to go relax instead. I'm, I'm the same way. I don't want to hang out with people anymore. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to go read my book. Thanks. Uh, but so just keep that in mind just because you socialized your dog really really well uh when it was a puppy doesn't mean that it's over right um so you definitely have to keep that up my two biggest rules for socializing really any dog but we'll say specifically an adult dog is decompression and then just taking it slow so for decompression specifically with adult dogs is to let your new dog adjust to you their new home all of that stuff so I used to be that person that I would pick up a dog from the shelter and I would take it home and immediately start introducing it to my dogs and most of the time it was fine but sometimes it wasn't (laughs) and and, uh, when I was introduced to the idea of decompression it blew my mind and I was like oh that's interesting I'll try it and it completely changed the way that my entire house works because now my meet and greets are way more successful and way less stressful because I give the dogs, I keep the dogs, sep- new dogs separated for, um, usually I try to do two weeks, but it depends on the dog. If the dog's super easygoing and not worried about anything, then obviously I won't wait that long. But I let them adjust to everything before having visitors over, before introducing them to my dogs, before introducing them to new dogs. Uh, before taking them to the park, any of that stuff. Your new dog has not bonded with you, nor do they have a single clue where they are or what's going on. (laughs) Right. So again, yeah, some dogs adjust more quickly than others, but personally, I've never met a dog that doesn't at least need a couple days, right? So it's just super important to kind of give them that time. Don't, 
I've I've had adopters adopt a two year old dog and then invite their entire extended family and all their friends over that day. And it's like, oh, that didn't go well. I'm shocked. <laughs> like, right. weird. I can't imagine why that didn't go well. Like, what are you thinking? Oh, well, we were having a family barbecue, and it's like, the dog just walked into your house. <laughs> it's yeah. never it's never been here before. It doesn't even know who you are. So it's just it's something to be really conscientious of is to, you know, let them settle in for a little bit. Uh, two yeah. weeks. Two weeks is a little bit excessive, but the dogs that I'm dealing with also tend to have issues. So <laughs> I would say at at least give it a couple days. Yeah, even with the puppies that I get, again, like the puppies that I get, they've gone through puppy culture. They're really well bred. And so they don't, I mean, they're among the most bomb-proof puppies that you could meet. And we still do a full day here before they meet my dogs. And to give you some perspective, like I get paid to work with these dogs. And so the more work that I can get done, the better, because I want people to be happy and so me taking that whole first day off from doing anything is kind of a big deal because like it's, you know, a day that we're not working on things. But in the long run, it is so much more helpful to have the puppy decompress and kind of just get used to the space before we start working. And I think that that helps us get more done through the time that they're here because they're not just immediately thrown into this really weird situation and they have to figure it out. Yeah, I think that's important because we don't think about Especially, like, in that situation, like, they're leaving their litter for the first time. They're at a new place. Like, they like all of this stuff is new. And for us, it's like, oh, you're home. But for them, it's like, I've never left where I came from. I've never left mm-hmm. my, my litter. I've never left my mom. I've never yeah. met you. I've never been in this house. Like, mm-hmm. even something as simple as just coming to a new place is fucking huge. Yeah. So when you start piling stuff on top of that, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot handle all of this, right? So I know for you, you're like, oh, I got, I rescued this, or even if you got an adult dog, I rescued this dog. I'm going to bring it home. He's going to have a sister. He's going to have all these toys. He's going to do this. Like, slow the fuck down. <laughs> because, yeah. yeah, to you, you're like, oh, this is your new life, and I'm so excited to give it to you. But to that dog, he's like, wherever he came from then he was living in a kennel for however long and now all of a sudden i'm with this dude i've never met meeting this dog i don't know (laughs) there's toys everywhere like what is happening (laughs) right so take into consideration your dog's perspective a little bit as well right like you don't know where they came from you don't know what they've experienced or if you do even still it's like this is still a lot for them Once they bond to you, it's a little bit easier because then they know that everything around you is going to be okay, right? Like, that was my gateway with Peter because Peter's so terrified of everything. I just needed to get him to bond to me because once he's bonded to me, then he knows that, one, I'm going to keep him safe and anything that I allow to happen is going to be okay. Yeah. It's not to say that he's not still scared of things, but as long as I'm around, he doesn't panic, right? Because he knows, like, oh, she's always got it. I don't have to worry about it. Like, I'm still nervous because I'm still me. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I know that as long as mom is here, it's, it can't be that bad, right? Uh, And a a new dog's not going to have that yet. So that's something super, super important. And that's a really good point because even if your dog is coming from, 
like what you're observing as a bad situation and you know that your home is a better place for that dog, they're not going to know that right away. And so like what's coming to mind is like, I, I watch all the Dodo videos. Like, I'm a sucker for oh, those little I Dodo hate videos. I hate them. I'm a sucker. And there, there are so many of them where, like, a dog gets rescued out of something horrible. Like, they were living in a sewer or, you know, whatever <laughs> it was. And they still need several days. It's like, all these videos are like, oh, yeah, she was really nervous for a few days. And it's like, even though we can see the situation that, like, this is objectively better than your former life, the dog is still just processing the fact that there was a change at all. And so they need some time to get through that phase. Well, and especially, too, like, again, wherever they were from, yeah, it, to us, it's shitty. But to them, a lot of the times, it's the only thing they've ever known. They don't necessarily know that it's shitty, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. What, don't all dogs just live in the backyard and never get attention? Like, I don't know. I thought that's just what dogs did. <laughs> like, I mean, they don't. They have no idea. So when you change that on them, they're like, wait, what? And then my second thing, we already kind of touched on it, but it's just to take it slow. When you're ready to start socializing them and you've gone through the decompression and they're settling in well and you've established a bond and all of that, don't take them to a busy park on a Saturday afternoon. Start small uh, and work it out, right? So start with maybe a short walk where you're going to see some people or maybe some dogs, but it's not going to be busy. There's not going to be a lot of traffic. There's not going to be a lot of, of anything, right? I usually start outside of the home for socializing just because I feel like it's a lot less confrontational, but it depends on the dog. Some dogs are better in the home, so nobody can really make that call without a specific a specific dog in mind. Um, but generally, I start socializing outside of the house and work our way in. Um, sometimes you need to do the opposite. Again, it just depends on the dog. Uh, but if you are going to start inside the house, for some reason, people think that their dogs cannot wear a leash in the house. I don't I don't know why. Uh, but if you don't know how your dog is going to react to a visitor and you're having a visitor over, put it on a leash. <laughs> I love a dragging leash for everything. Right? It's like a problem solver for so many situations. Sometimes I wonder why my dogs ever get their leashes taken off. <laughs> I'm like, just wear it all the time. It makes my life so much better. <laughs> So, yeah, don't be afraid to leash them up in the house, especially if it's a new experience, right? And then any sort of troubleshooting that you run into. So, say you try to take him for his first walk and you find out that he's super leash reactive or something like that. Uh, troubleshooting can be pretty tricky. And I could ramble on for a lifetime about different problems that you might come into and how to solve them and that sort of thing. But I think I'll just say that when you're socializing your dog, it's probably best to just hire a trainer if you're running into issues. If you, I mean, l please try to work through it. But if you're having issues working through it, just hire a trainer. A lot of people seem to be reluctant to hire trainers for some reason. But if you feel like you're hitting a wall, don't just accept it. Um, so I hear all the time like, oh, he just doesn't like... XYZ. He just doesn't like men in hats. Can you take your hat off? And it's like, so you're going to spend their entire lives avoiding men with hats? Like, that right. seems... So you can't go out in public now because you might run into a man with a hat. <laughs> yeah. It's just... It might have been an easy fix, but you just didn't know how to work through it, right? Had you, had you hired a trainer for even one session, it might have been gone. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, it all depends. I'm not saying that every every speed bump is that that easy to fix, but if your dog has an issue like that, that's significant enough that it changes what you do, you should hire a trainer. Yeah. <laughs> and just for some perspective, like, I do have a personal story of a dog here in Grand Rapids, one of my first clients out here, who was terrified of men in hats, and that was one of their big issues. And I brought Scott over, and he was wearing a hat, and it was the first time she had ever met him. And within minutes, she was asking him for pets. So it's like, that's not a guarantee, but some of these things are really simple to work with. You just have to work with someone who knows how to do it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's super important because especially people that like are love their dogs so much or have had dogs their whole lives or consider themselves dog people for some reason they get weird about hiring a trainer because they're like oh i'm a dog person i don't need a trainer and it's like Mm -hmm. have have you studied behavior though (laughs) like i have studied behavior and i'm willing to accept that i don't know everything and i could learn from just about anyone so (laughs) we're learning new things all the time and we're and we're actively you know looking for those things to learn but yeah, that's definitely something that I run into a lot, especially, I mean, even within my own family, like those antiquated sort of dog things that happen. It, it's like, well, I've always had dogs. So th- this is how I've al- always done it. And it's like, that's not, that's not enough. Like we we know more now. And well, and even so, even, even if you have always done it that way and it has always worked, it's obviously not working for this new dog. So right. you got to try, are you going to keep hounding this issue? Yeah, you need to look at the dog in front of you. You've never had this dog before. (laughs) So you might need to try something new. I've noticed that, especially with my reactive clients, like most reactive clients, yeah, they're all different, but it's still the same like protocol, right? Like we work on leash work and then we work on positioning and then we work on this. And it's like, yeah, 98% of the time that's going to work. 2% of the time you're going to need to try something else. (laughs) Like... That's right. what happened with Bubbles. We were working so hard for so long and we weren't we just weren't seeing enough progress. And so we kind of thought outside of the box. We changed some stuff up and she flipped right away. All of a sudden it was like, "Oh, her reactivity is like significantly less because mm-hmm. we did something that I normally tell people never to do." We started having her sit more instead of keeping her moving. And we stopped doing the... Normally, I do a lot of tugs and releases. That just aggravated the shit out of her. So we stopped doing that. We put her in a harness compared to her martingale, um, which, again, I normally never do with reactive dogs. But for whatever reason, that worked so well for her. (laughs) Right? So, like, pay attention to the dog you have in front of you. If you're having trouble and can't get over it, try to get some help. Even if they might not be able to do it or whatever, I mean, it's worth the shot because you're not going to be able to avoid men with hats or (laughs) other dogs or whatever it is for the rest of your life. And if you do, chances are your dog's going to become a shut-in and it's not fair. (laughs) Yeah. We should do an episode about how to hire a trainer. That would be interesting. It would be. And I bet we would disagree a lot. And people like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For some reason. That's like the feedback that I get is like, oh, it was so fun when you guys disagreed on the training methods episode. (laughs) I'm like, you don't understand. That is likely to end our friendship. (laughs) Because I still really want to do the certification episode. But like, Mm -hmm. 
That could be that could maybe be under the umbrella of how to pick a trainer. That's, yeah, that's what I was just thinking because the idea of a whole episode about certification makes me want to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. I think that's probably a question a lot of people have when we say things like you need to hire a trainer. People are probably like, how do I find one? In one of our recent episodes, we discussed how some puppy class trainers will kind of write the book for your puppy who is quote unquote too shy. So basically, don't write the book for your dog. Sure, they might be uncomfortable with something, but they absolutely have the potential to change their minds. And sometimes it's pretty simple. They won't be able to do it if we're just avoiding the thing forever. So it is not simple if you're just avoiding. So do that work to troubleshoot. Work slowly, like Laura said. Let your dog have their own pacing. If you are in a puppy class where the trainer is not advocating for your dog's comfort, pull your dog out of puppy class and find a different place to socialize. But figure it out. You have to troubleshoot. You have to socialize your dog. So that's kind of what this all boils down to, I think. Yeah. 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 Get it. I think that about wraps it up. Our ninth episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on Instagram at Miss Lily's Dogs or on my website, MissLily'sDogs.com or my online training platform, patreon.com slash Dogs. And you can find me on Instagram at properpupperslv and my website, properpupperslv.com. In our next episode, we'll be drinking more holiday margaritas, which is harder than you might think, and, <laughs> and talking about communication next time on the Doggeritaville podcast. Thanks for listening to Doggeritaville. Send us an email at doggeritaville at gmail.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at doggeritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered. Or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us. <laughs>